<laughs> now, I know for most of you, as Sean has already alluded to it, 2018 was mad. 2018 was, some of you may even describe it as hell. Uh, I know for us, and this is not a pity party, but for us, our sort of opening line for 2018 was finding my car stolen. Uh, and we got it back after the Oaks who stole it, crashed into a pillar and took everything that was in it. Um, but, but that kind of set the tone for our year. And if anything could have gone wrong for us last year, it did. Now, as, as rough as 2018 was for us, chatting to some of you guys, man, our year was a walk in the park. Some of you guys have had such insanely difficult years, years of grief and years of loss and years of a year of struggle. Now, I know that's not true for all of us. Some of you, 2018 was a wonderful year, a wonderful year for your family or a wonderful year for your career or for business. But um, as we go into 2019, whether or not uh, you've kind of written down your goals and your plans and your dreams or, or whether I just sat down with you and you just got a few things tumbling around in your mind. I, I know that we, we kind of tend to think of the new year as a clean slate and, and every single one of us has hopes and dreams and plans and goals for 2019. Now, I, I know for some of you that might mean financial. For some of you, you're like saying, listen, 2019 is the year I get a job. Maybe 2019 is the year that I get a better job. Some of you are really hoping that something is go wonderful is gonna happen in business for you in 2019. Maybe 2019 is the year you get married or 2019 is the year you have a baby or another baby. Uh, maybe 2019 is the year that you not only buy a gym membership, but you use your gym membership. Or you not only buy running shoes, but you actually use running shoes for their intended purpose. I know for Bianca and I, just having been on this time of sabbatical, God has spoken to us about so much. And, and we just having seen and experienced uh, 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 just so much in the kingdom, we have so many hopes and dreams for 2019, both for our families, for our marriage, and also for the church. And, and we're just battling to even kind of get it into one place in our heads, the kinds of things we're excited about for 2019. Um, but here's the thing. When it comes to all that you want for 2019, I want more for you. I want more for you. And I want to just unpack that thought from two angles. The one angle is this, and I hate to kind of come down in this way, but what if 2019 isn't a good year? What if 2019 isn't a good year for the political economical situation of our country? What if 2019 is not a good year for your family, for your marriage? What if you experience loss in 2019? What if you experience financial loss or you lose someone in your family? And here's, because, here's why I say I want more for you because I want, I want to know what's going to carry you through those seasons. What's going to keep you filled with faith and love and hope? What's going to ensure that, that if you have a horrible year this year, you are not knocked down so far that you lose faith and hope in everything? But here's the other angle I want to come at you with. What if you get everything you want? What if you do get that job? What if you do get the girl? What if you do get the guy? What if your business does explode and multiply? What if your bank account starts to soar? I want more for you. Because I wanna know oh, what's, what's gonna keep you gracious? 
What's gonna keep you faithful? What's gonna keep you loving God above all things? What's gonna keep you generous? What's gonna keep you humble if everything goes your way this year? So I hope that in your literal journal or the journal of your mind, you've got a page filled with your hopes and dreams. And again, don't get me wrong, I hope every single one of those goes your way. But I hope there's another page and maybe God will speak to you today about that page, a page where God provides some perspective. So regardless of whether 2019 is a total shipwreck or whether 2019 is like soaring to the moon for you, God speaks to you about priorities, God speaks to you about some of the things that are gonna carry you through regardless of success or failure. And so, and so I really pray that um, some reorientation happens in our heart this morning. If you've got your Bibles here, I will have the verses on the screen behind me. Always wonderful to have our own Bibles, whether you know, the glow of the iPad warms you as you read or whether you turn literal pages. Turn with me to Mark chapter eight, verses 31. If you're unfamiliar with the Bible, there's no shame in just finding the contents page, looking up Mark. Uh, otherwise, go to the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, second book of the New Testament. And I'm gonna join with you over there. Basically, I'm gonna set the scene. Jesus, up to this point in his ministry, has been up in the north of Israel around Galilee and pretty much what he's been doing up to that point of time has been attracting large crowds and performing awesome miracles. Attracting large crowds and performing awesome miracles and we love that Jesus. We love the Jesus that, that welcomes large crowds. We love the Jesus that feeds thousands of people. We love the Jesus, some of you really love the Jesus that turns water into wine, right? We love the miracle performing Jesus. This kind of moment happens just before we get to our passage for this morning. This moment happens where he moves away from Jerusalem. He takes his disciples up into the north. We've been there. Some of you have been there with us to a town called Caesarea Philippi. Now, Caesarea Philippi was not this nice Jewish safe haven. It is not the place of the temple. It is not the place where people who were more Jewish and religious felt safe. This was a Roman city. This was a pagan city. And in the middle of the city was a temple to the goat-looking God called Pan. In the back of the temple was a cave. And, and, and some of you have seen that cave where literally people used to come, worshippers of Pan used to come and bring their sacrifices and throw these sacrifices through the back of the temple into this cave. This cave was known as the gates of hell or the gates of Hades. And it is in the middle of this pagan place, this unsafe place, this very non-Jewish, non, at least Jewish religious place where Jesus says to the disciples famously, hey guys, you know, listen, um, a whole lot of people are saying a whole lot of things about me. Who do you say I am? And Peter has this incredible moment of revelation and inspiration. And he says, listen, Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, Peter, it is on this rock, not necessarily on Peter himself, although he was fundamental to the birth of the early church, but it's on this rock, this statement of truth that I am the Christ, I am the Messiah, I am the Son of the living God, that I'm gonna build my church as an offensive weapon. And by the way, the gates of hell, the gates of Hades will not prevail against the onslaught of my church. 
Now that sounds awesome, but it is in the middle of this narrative. Now I've just preached kind of four sermons in a row. I'm just trying to build the drama. I'm trying to set the scene for where we're going this morning. All right, because something changes now at this point in Jesus' ministry. Because again, up to this point, it's the Jesus we love, the Jesus of miracles, the Jesus of attracting large crowds. And something starts to shift. Look at me with Mark 8 verses 31. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man himself must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. This is the moment in Jesus' ministry where He reveals that His ministry is not just about large crowds. He reveals that His ministry is not just about miracles. This is the point in His ministry where He starts to reveal that His ministry and therefore our ministry may involve rejection. His ministry is gonna involve persecution. His ministry is gonna involve suffering and we don't like that side of Jesus' ministry. Or at least we like the fact that He did it for us, but we don't like the fact that maybe that might include us. So just like us, Peter says, no, 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 Jesus, I don't like that. And see what Peter says here. See, Jesus spoke plainly about this and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But then Jesus turned and looked at His disciples and He rebuked Peter saying, get behind me, Satan. He said, you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Now, I think this just reveals one of the reasons we love Peter. Because Peter went from a total mountaintop, spirit-inspired experience to the deepest valley. He goes from just getting revealed this truth to him, because elsewhere Jesus says, uh, uh, this was not revealed to you by yourself, but by my Father who is heaven. So God's speaking to, to Peter. He's hearing Peter clearly. Peter makes his confession of faith. And the next second, uh, Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan. And some of us feel like that on a Sunday, right? We have this incredible experience with God. We feel like God is speaking. We feel like God is flowing in our veins and we get outside and something goes wrong and we feel like, oh, get behind me, Satan. I think that's one of the reasons why we love Peter. But I want us to look at that verse there, especially that part that I've highlighted there. If you've got a Bible, I really encourage you to bold highlight that. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. I wonder as you look forward to your 2019, do you have in mind the things of God or the things of men? Maybe I can put it on a scale with the things of God on this side and the things of men on this side. How much are your goals formed by yourself? Or how much have you submitted your year to the things of God? And I don't just mean, you know, kind of saying grace and one day just slipping in a little prayer and Lord, I just pray that you'll bless us this year. I wanna know, have you truly invited God to help you set goals for 2019? And are you truly prepared to submit to His purposes for your life in 2019? Or is He more of a nuisance, right? Maybe a bit of a metaphor will help when it comes to this. Just by the way, if you're here for the first time or, or um, maybe you're even sitting here and you do not consider yourself a Jesus follower or a Christian, uh, uh, we're just so glad that you're here. And maybe today God will speak to you, just maybe answer some questions, maybe move you forward towards Him. But for those of us who do consider ourselves Christians, this is something we need to take seriously. And, and maybe this metaphor will help. So there you are in your car of life. 
not a real car, um, just the car of life. And you've been through 2016, 2017, 2018, and now you've just passed the line that says 2019. Now, for some of us, Jesus is like the wheel spanner in the boots. See, when you get a new car, you don't show everyone the new car and go, and look at this awesome wheel spanner, right? When you pump your ride, you don't kind of put diamonds in your wheel spanner. We actually only deal with the wheel spanner when you've got a problem, when something goes wrong. We're stuck on the side of the road, right? Some of us treat Jesus like that. He's kind of, he, he's, he's in my life, but actually, man, I, I hardly even think about him until something goes wrong. And then yes, then I go and see how he can help me out and then back into the boot he goes. So for some of us, Jesus is in the boots. For some of us, no, 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 Jesus is far more important than that. He's in the car with me, but in the back seat. Now here's something that's true about me. I hate backseat drivers, even if they're right. So there we are driving through the life of, of Stephen or the life going through 2019. And Jesus is like, hey, Steve, uh, what about a left here? Jesus, just keep quiet. I want you in my life. I just don't want you telling me what to do, right? So for some of us, Jesus is in the backseat and he just irritates us if we're honest with ourselves. Feels like a backseat driver. For some of us, no, 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 you know what? Jesus is so important in my life. He gets the passenger seat. Even my wife, she goes to the back. Jesus gets the front seat. We may even enter into a little bit of debate. We may even take when Jesus says, go straight, turn right, stop, go forward. We may even go, you know, that's a very interesting thought, Jesus. Let's talk about it. You know, let's, let's debate this. Now, some of you know where I'm going with this because what position does Jesus want in the car of your life? I, I think Carrie Underwood, and uh, we spent some time in Nashville, so I've got to use some of these quotes now. Carrie Underwood got it right when she said, Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> Jesus doesn't want to be the guy you call on when things go wrong, alone. He doesn't want to feel like a nag in your life because in your mind and heart, you've put him in the back seat. He doesn't even want to be a co-equal partner with you where you maybe debate the way things go forward. He wants to be in total control. He wants you to surrender. He wants to be Lord in your life. Now, cars went around 2,000 years ago. Otherwise, maybe he would have quoted Carrie Underwood. But let's just see how he said what I've just been talking about. Verse 34, then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, if anyone, that means anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And some of you are like, Stephen, this is the worst first sermon you've ever given. I came to church to get inspired. I came to church for some Jesus juice. I came to church to kind of feel a little bit more happy about my year going forward. And now you're just such a downer. Worst sermon of the year. Thank you very much. That's what you're hoping for. But what you're getting is the truth. And we need to love the truth, even if it's an inconvenience. Truth. See, here's the part of the Christian life that you won't hear from most of the big authors. Here's the part of the Christian life that you won't hear about guys who've got big mansions and big TV shows and big budgets. Because it's not sexy to talk about. It's wonderful to talk about victory every Sunday. 
And absolutely, we believe that Christ has the victory and man, oh man, when he's living in and through us, he's gonna lead us to great things. But there's another part of our reality. There's another part of our 2019. There's another part of following Jesus that we need to get to grips with. Something Bianca and I speak about often about relationships is usually when I'm upset by something, it's because I've had an expectation in my mind that somebody else failed to meet. Then we're gonna debate, well, was that expectation fair or not? And some of you have expectations of 2019 and we need to put those in light of the truth and see how that shapes our expectations. See, this verse tells us that for everyone, not just for some, for everyone, following Jesus is gonna involve a whole lot of denying yourself. It's gonna involve a whole lot of cross-carrying. Now, Stephen, what does it mean to deny yourself? Does it literally mean I just, you know, anything that feels good, I say no to? Anything that is wonderful, you know, I, you know, I can afford a nice meal, but, I, but I'm gonna eat like burnt toast on purpose just to deny myself. Got a wonderful bed, but I'm gonna sleep on the floor and put some stones under my sleeping bag just to deny myself. Now, I mean, that might sound funny, but seriously, Oaks Through the History have actually done that. How can I make my life as hard as possible just to deny myself? I don't think that's necessarily what Jesus means. So what does it mean when we talk about denying ourselves? Well, here's what it means. It means, going back to that verse earlier, having in mind the things of God over and above the things of me. It means, going back to that metaphor, having Jesus in the driving seat over and above me. So when Jesus says, turn right, I say, I wanna turn left but I'm gonna deny myself and go with him. And Jesus says, stop. And I'm like, Jesus, I wanna carry on going with this, but I'm gonna deny myself and I'm gonna stop. When Jesus says, listen, time to take an off ramp with regard to this relationship. Well, I wanna stay in this relationship, but I'm gonna deny myself and take the offering for Jesus. When Jesus says, I, I want you to accelerate into generosity. Well, I, I don't want to accelerate into generosity, but I'm gonna deny myself. Jesus says, here's how I want you to do sex, life and marriage. Well, here's how I wanna do sex, life and marriage, but I'm gonna deny myself and so on and so forth. When Jesus speaks, I deny what I want and I go with Him because He's got the will. Because I want in mind the things of God, not the things of men. Now, it's pretty easy to do that when you don't know where you're going. I mean, when we were in the States, not only am I driving on the wrong side of the road and sitting on the wrong side of the car, but uh, I, I didn't know Nashville, I didn't know Raleigh, I didn't know where I was going. So there was this wonderful woman in my car, other than Bianca, and no, I'm not having an affair. Uh, there's no, this other woman in my car was known as, I don't know what her name is, but the Google Drive Assistant. You know, the lady who tells you where to go, weirdest thing. Being a South African phone that we just put a SIM card in there, she started off with a South African accent. And seriously, without us pressing any buttons, over time, she started developing this weird South African-American accent, which was the weirdest thing. I'm like, there we go, artificial intelligence right in front of us. But because I would freely admit, I don't know where I'm going, she says, listen, 
200 meters in front of you, keep right, take so-and-so off ramp. And I'm like, yes, ma'am. All right, go straight for four kilometers. Yes, ma'am. See, when I don't know where I'm going, I am so happy to listen to someone who knows better than me. But when I'm home, when I'm here and I think I know best, man, I'm so unteachable. I mean, the other day, Bianca and I were literally driving home. I think we were taking our kids to watch a movie at Gold Reef City and Bianca's like, you know, go straight in. I'm like, no, I wanna go left. Now, both would have gotten us home, but we got into this massive debate about whether or not we should go straight or left. So silly, but that was us. Because no, 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 I think I, think I know best. I'm the one at the wheel. So let's go back to our car of life. Man, some of you are at the point where you're like, God, you know what I've learned in 2018? I don't know what I'm doing. So God speaks to you like, yes, sir. Yes, Lord, I'll go with you. Some of us are like, I like the wheel, right? I, I know this thing. I've got the right amount of Jesus in my life. I, I, I know where I'm going. And then Jesus speaks and it feels like that irritating backseat driver, right? Suddenly it's a lot harder to submit and yield to him because we believe we know best. And I want us to think about the insanity of that. Some of you have seen some of these beautiful tapestries, absolute works of art. You turn it over and it looks like a total mess, looks like chaos, just string and color going everywhere for no rhyme or reason, right? But flip it over and suddenly you see this beautiful picture that comes together. Now, when it comes to life, you and I live on the backside of that tapestry. We look around us, we're like, God, I don't know what's going on. Why did you do that? Why did you lead me there? Why did you say this? Why did you lead us here? We have no clue. We're so limited in our perspective in time and space. We live these tiny little lives. We don't know what's going on. But Jesus does. He sees the other side. He sees how your life and my life and the mess of it and what He's redeeming and what He's allowing and the things He's actually doing, the things we see, the things we don't see. He sees how it's all coming together, together with people in Australia and England and people from the 20s and people in a hundred years time. He sees how all of this is coming together into a beautiful picture of purpose and love and faith and His glory. But then we go to Him saying, but... I know best. I prefer my hand on the wheel. <laughs> That's insane. That's insane, right? I, I wanna bring a verse to you that, now it's, it's just the next verse in the text here this morning that I think just highlights the brilliance of Jesus in light of all of this. Because up to now, it's just sounded like bad news right? Denying yourself, carrying a cross. This just sounds horrible. But Jesus has something far bigger going on in His mind, in His kingdom. And I'm about to read to you probably the most brilliant but counterintuitive verse in the whole of Scripture. It's not gonna make sense to you. But man, I, I encourage you, bold highlight it, underline it. In fact, I encourage you to memorize this verse. And we're gonna be asking our life groups to do that. This verse is gonna make you think hard. It might hurt your brain, but it's also gonna push you into trust and faith. Read verse 35. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. 
But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. Some translations say, will find it. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it, will find it. Now, this doesn't make sense, right? Because Jesus is saying, man, if, if you try and achieve in your own power, with your hand on the wheel, everything you desire this year, and whether you get it or whether you don't, if that is your top priority, you will land up losing. But if you put me in charge, my kingdom, another way Jesus said this is seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these other things we trust God with and He will add these into our lives. But if we seek first God, so when we put Him first, His righteousness, His kingdom, it's not about His goals versus our goals. It's about His goals before our goals and seeing how His goals shape our goals. See, the Eastern mystics will say, well, the way you find yourself is you go within, navel-gazing, and soon all you discover is, wow, why do red T-shirts give me blue fluff? Okay. Maybe that's just a guy thing. The Western world will tell you, you want to find yourself, surround yourself with awesome stuff. And Jesus says, you want to find yourself? Give yourself away for the sake of my kingdom and you will find yourself. Counterintuitively, you'll actually discover what this life is all about. Counterintuitively, you'll discover greater joy and greater purpose and greater life and greater meaning. By putting yourself first, it means you may get everything you want but lose yourself. But by putting God first, it means you win either way. Last verse for the day, and one you've probably heard and probably in isolation. Let's just read verse 36. For what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? I keep a pretty detailed budget. And on one side of my budget is stuff coming in and the other bigger side is stuff going out. And one of the things the Lord's been teaching me over the last few years is not to let my mood be determined by what that spreadsheet looks like. Right? We've got the things coming in and the things going out. And, and I think what this verse is saying is, well, what if everything comes in? Well, what if you not only get a job, you get a job that pays three times what your previous job paid you. What if you get a job that, I mean, pays you triple, but you're only gonna work 20 hours a week and we actually pay you to play. What if you get the holiday home? What if you get the girl? What if you, if this is what you want, and this is what, what if you have another three kids this year? What if everything goes right, but on this side is one line item, your soul, and there's just withdrawal after withdrawal after withdrawal until there's nothing left. And Jesus is trying to say, do you think it's worth it? Do you think it's worth it? Do you really think it's worth it? To have this side filled with everything and have this side decreased to nothing. Now we're sitting in church, so we're like, we know the answer, right? Oh, of course it's not worth it. My soul is of far more value than anything else. Except we don't live that way. 
We live as if this side is worth it. We live as if this side is worth losing faith. We live as if this side and gaining on this side is worth losing community, is worth losing a sense of what God is saying and doing in my life. And you know what? It feels so good when this side is going well. That's why we believe it is worth it. But Stephen, when I push into this side, it's so hard. When I push into this side, sometimes this side doesn't go well. When I push into this side, sometimes it feels like, and I'm gonna put words into your mouth, sometimes it feels like I need to deny myself some of these things. When I push into this side, sometimes it feels like a cross. And I'm like, and you're surprised by that? But the less sarcastic side of me wants to say, but this side is life. This is a side of greater joy because you know what? I can't control what's gonna happen this side. I don't know what's gonna happen this year. I don't know how good or how bad this side of your life budget is gonna look. But I know when this side is going well, you are going to have greater purpose. You are going to have greater meaning. Your joy will transcend things and success and power and loss and difficulty. You'll have greater freedom and greater life. Why? Because on this side, you get God. And when you got God, you get everything. So again, I'm not saying that your goals are a bad thing. And I really hope that everything goes right for you this year. But I want more for you. I want more for you. I want us to push into this side of the budget. And what I want for you is to discover that counterintuitively, this is the side of life. And this is the side of joy and meaning and purpose. Now, I just want to predict what's mostly gonna happen for many of us as we finish. Many of us are sitting here this morning and hopefully going, you know what, Stephen, that's the kick in the pants I needed at the beginning of this year. Didn't it feel good? It's a little bit, ah, I bruised for a few days. But you know what? That's good. I needed that. And we're going to close in prayer. Go have some coffee, brownies, have some cool conversation, make some plans for the rest of the day, get into our real cars, get home. And by the time we get into our beds tonight, our hands back on the wheel. We've got all of these good intentions right now. We're agreeing with God's perspective of things. But that's all gonna dissipate for so many of us. See, the Bible says without action, our faith is dead. It's kind of like a guy looks at himself in the mirror and goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. What am I saying? We need to do something different about this if we wanna see something different happen in our lives this year. Good intentions are awesome and I hope you're motivated. But think about your gym membership. Motivation often accounts for very little until we do something about it. So I wanna give you two very simple things to do. And by simple, I mean they're simple to understand, they're simple to remember, but they are admittedly very tricky to do. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, seek God. Seek God. 
if the differentiating factor this year is gonna be, do I have in mind the things of God or do I have in mind the things of men? That means I need to seek Him so that my mind is filled with the things of Him. Now, I often kind of rip off bumper sticker Christianity and Christian t-shirt Christianity and Christian meme Christianity. Not that there's anything wrong with nice memes and sunsets and, you know, I love Jesus stickers. But for most of us, it stops there. That's not seeking Jesus. Let me just be honest with you again. If we're gonna have our minds and hearts filled with the things of God, we need to be seeking Him into His Word. We need to move past milk into meat. We need to chew on His Word. We need to allow His Word, and not just that I read His Word, but His Word reads me and transforms me. I need to not just say grace every second day. Uh, I need to seek Him in prayer. All these things, I mean, we've done entire sermon series on this stuff. But I need to seek Him. Seek Him in community. Seek Him in godly relationships. Seek Him in life. Seek Him in business. Seek Him in word and seek Him in prayer. So that slowly, just like water getting to a sponge, He gets into me. Step number one. Step number two, say yes. When He says turn left, you say, we're going left. When He says, I want you to take this off-ramp of forgiveness. You deny your pride and you forgive. When he says, stop this relationship, you stop. When he says, move forward into this direction, you're like, I wanna go there. No, 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 you go with him. You just say yes. You get filled with the thoughts of God and then you say yes to the things of God. So simple. And while that may sound so taxing, and it may sound like such a cost to yourself. There will be, because you'll be denying yourself and carrying a cross. Jesus promises greater life. And He promises that's where you'll discover what this life is actually about. So I want to pray for us this morning. And I just feel like so many of us are on a precipice right now where we're either going to go with this or not. That God has been speaking and we've got a choice whether we're going to accept or reject what you've just heard. I also know that, and I speak for myself, the biggest challenge to letting, giving God the will is my pride. Because man, it's so good to feel like I've got this thing figured out. It's so good to feel like I'm in charge. It's so good to feel that all the benefits in my life are as a result of my efforts What is hard is to say, I don't know what I'm doing. What is hard is to say, hands off the wheel. What is hard is to give to control someone else. What is hard is to admit that. What is hard is to raise a hand boldly in church and humbly saying, God, I need you. But I'm gonna ask you to do that. I'm gonna ask you to turn away from pride, to humble yourself, to deny yourself in this moment. So please stand and pray with me. Father, I trust that the plans you have for our lives, our church and our future is greater than anything we can imagine.
I fundamentally believe that. Your word says, man, if a father who is imperfect knows how to give good things to his children, how much more will our perfect father in heaven give good things to those who ask? So God, I ask on behalf of me, my family, and this church that you as our good father gives us good things. We trust you with that evaluation. We trust you with the decision-making process. We trust you with the direction. We trust you with the nature of those good things. But God, I know that for so many of us, to step into those good things, we need to say no to some of the things that we think are good. And we need to do the hard work of sometimes denying some of my deepest held desires. Maybe sinful things in my life or maybe even good things in my life in order to say yes to you. God, I know you may use some of these good things you give us that we will discover you. It's not just no, sometimes it's yes. But you know the difference, I don't. So church, I'm gonna ask you if you, and I'm just gonna stick with that metaphor, if you wanna let go of the wheel, just as a physical sign of your mind, heart, and body in agreement, I'm gonna ask you to put up your hand. Maybe some of you are going, oh, I wanna take two hands off the wheel and put two hands in the air. Jesus, I want to be filled with the things of God this year. I want to hear your voice. I want to taste life and meaning and purpose the way you intended it. I've tried it up to now. Man, it's been 99% miss. So I take my hands off the wheel. I humble myself and acknowledge your wisdom, your view of the tapestry of life and kingdom, your view of the highs and lows of my life your views of how you give me good things and how you turn bad things for your glory. Your view of what you know is best for me. I trust you. I trust you and I trust you. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you empower us now to live according to these convictions. Holy Spirit, Open our ears that we might hear the things of God. Open our eyes that we might see the things of God, that we might say yes to the things of God and live lives that glorify you. And Lord, I pray that we're gonna see great things as a result of what's transpired this morning. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Don't run off. Great cup of tea, coffee. Uh, just maybe... Give kids ministry another five minutes before you run across there and may God bless you immensely this week.